0: Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 44 of It's About Time, a podcast with stories and strategies for work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Kornick, and today's episode is all about multitasking and how basically it's the worst. Yes, friend, I hate to break it to you, especially if you consider yourself to be an amazing multitasker. But... Multitasking just isn't a real thing. It's fake. It's a lie. And it's absolutely ruining your productivity. Science says so. So, if multitasking's not a thing, what on earth are we supposed to do instead? Well, you are in luck because that's exactly what this episode is about. I'll get into the nitty gritty of why multitasking is a total lie what you're actually doing when you think you're rocking and rolling at multitasking, how you can start cutting back on doing all the things at once, and five strategies to stay super focused on one thing at a time. And always, you can find all the details from this episode over in the show notes, plus links to any of the resources I mentioned. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 44. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to click that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. All right, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road
1: If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Kornick.
0: You are not good at multitasking. There, I said it. If you've ever told someone or even told yourself that you're great at multitasking, here's the tough truth. You might be great at staying on top of multiple projects that are concurrently in motion, but you scientifically cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. When you're doing multiple things at once, checking social media, writing a proposal, listening in on a conference call, replying to text messages while popping off a quick email, sure, it feels like multitasking. And here's the crazy thing. It feels productive. And our brains love it. In fact, multitasking creates a dopamine addiction feedback loop, basically rewarding your brain for losing focus and constantly searching for some kind of new external stimulation. In fact, one study found most people on average spend only three minutes on any given task before switching over to something else. And if you're using a digital tool, that knocks down to two minutes before moving on to the next app. But what's actually happening isn't multitasking. It's instead something called context switching. You're jumping from one thing to the next, and your brain, your limited short-term memory, is desperately trying to keep up with all of the switching that you're doing in that moment. And according to computer scientist and psychologist Gerald Weinberg, taking on additional tasks simultaneously aka multitasking, can destroy up to 80% of your productive time. 80%. You just can't do your best work when your attention is scattered across 12 open apps, 34 ongoing conversations, 17 open tabs, and a to-do list a mile long. You know I like to say that busy is not a badge of honor. Just the same being good at multitasking is absolutely not a badge of honor. Understanding and accepting that multitasking is not real and doing your best to eliminate the word multitasking from your vocabulary and therefore your mindset is the key to unlocking new levels of productivity in your life. So if we're gonna stop multitasking, which might sound terrifying and impossible to some of you listening right now, what do we do instead? How do we tackle our tendency to multitask and instead focus our attention on just one thing at a time? Well, the first step is knowing and believing that multitasking isn't real and calling it what it is, context switching. Then it takes bringing awareness to your work and recognizing when you're hopscotching from one thing to the next and back again. Kind of like in meditation, when you notice your thoughts drifting to something other than your breath, you gently bring it back to that one thing, your breath. So when you notice that you're falling into old patterns of context switching, remember, we're going to call it what it is bring it back to that one thing you're working on that's most important. And then take a stab at one or more of these five strategies for being more focused than ever. First, separate your work into two categories, deep work and shallow work. Second, set expectations. Third, clear your environment. Fourth, keep a shiny things list, and fifth, use the Pomodoro method. First up, think of your work in two different categories, deep work and shallow work. Deep work includes the things on your to-do list that require focus, complex thought, and problem solving. Shallow work, on the other hand, is work that doesn't require intense focus. It's simpler, often low-value work organizing emails, loading social media content in a scheduling tool, and a data entry all could be examples. Shallow work is often easier to fall into because it's easier on our brains and it allows us to do things and feel like we're being productive. When you run your work through a deep work versus shallow work filter, it gives you the ability to strategically schedule when you'll tackle your deep work, And when you'll tackle your shallow work, aiming to do your deep work when you know you'll have the least distractions and the best opportunity to focus. If you're interested in taking a deeper dive into deep work and shallow work, check out the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. The second strategy for super focus is to set expectations. This strategy helps with people distractions. Whether you're working from home with kids nearby, working in an open office space, or reporting to the corner office, getting focused work done takes a village. That means setting expectations with your family, team, and coworkers. Plan ahead and know when you'll need undistracted, focused attention and communicate that to others. Back in episode 25 of It's About Time, Leanne Moss reminded us that People can't read our minds. And sometimes, very often in fact, we have to ask for exactly what we need if we want it. Setting expectations with those around you and letting them know that you need focused time will remove some of the potential distractions that might come your way during that focused time. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there, to have more breathing room in your days? let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at annadkornick.com forward slash quiz and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Now, once you've set expectations, your next step in focusing your attention is to clear your environment. This strategy helps with physical distractions. Now, if you report to work in an open office environment, you're going to have the toughest road ahead. As much as open office environments are built for collaboration, they are rarely also built for focus and concentration. Several years ago, in my crisis communication PR firm days, I worked in a gorgeous open office environment. Super chic glass and chrome desks, sleek glass shelves lined the walls, covered with gold, silver, and bronze awards. Fabulous chandeliers hung from the ceiling in our historic building. But the open office environment, I hated it. I called it the pit. The girl who sat behind me had no concept of indoor volume during her phone conversations. We were open to constant interruptions. Slack had just become a thing, so there were people popping by your desk or sending Slack messages almost constantly. It was a concentration nightmare. Getting work done during the day was so hard that I ended up taking work home most evenings and even taking the occasional sick day to get things done while working from home with some peace and quiet. Working with headphones to classical music was one of the few ways that I could find focus amid the chaos. But whether you work in an open office environment or not, there are a few changes that you can make to your immediate environment to improve your ability to focus. And it starts with clearing your space. When you look around your workspace, every single piece of paper, unopened envelope, magazine, sticky note, and pile of whatever represents a decision that needs to be made. Even six beautiful hours of uninterrupted time can be completely derailed by a distracting environment. So let this be the week that you drop everything and clear your workspace of as many distractions as possible. Then create a single inbox, physical inbox, in tray or drop spot in your workspace. Anything physical that comes in, pop it in that tray and sort it once a week. And if your current workspace looks a little more like a kitchen table than a traditional office, that's okay too. Do your best to position yourself with your back to distractions like dishes in the sink or the TV begging you to turn on Netflix or that laundry basket that's taunting you from the sofa. And just like a sweep of your workspace can clear potential physical distractions, a sweep of your notifications can clear potential digital distractions. So the average person is hit with a distraction every 40 seconds when working in front of their computer and it takes an average of 29 minutes to regain deep focus every single time you're interrupted. So even if you're working in a pristine workspace, you're not out of the woods yet. I encourage you to open up the notifications section within the settings on your smartphone and do a quick notifications audit. If you have an iPhone, you can find this inside settings and then notifications. For example, I don't receive any alerts for text messages, as in nothing pops up on my screen. However, I did keep that red dot that appears in the corner of the app to let me know that there's something inside waiting for me. Another example, I don't allow notifications of any kind for email. No red dot, no pop up on my screen, nothing. You see, my personal tech philosophy is that text messages and email don't require an immediate response. So I don't require an immediate notification of its existence. Turning off notifications gives me the peace of mind to wait until I'm ready to be intentional with my response. Now, the one disclaimer I'll make is that this method of clearing digital distractions won't be a good fit for everyone. For example, if your boss's expectation is that you respond to email or text messages immediately, then you'll want to at least keep your notifications running for that boss. So back when I worked in a communications director role at a state government agency, my boss explicitly required that I respond to any email from him within five minutes, even if that response was a simple, okay, got it. So as you can imagine, I was on my toes All the time. And I figured out how to set up a special alert whenever something came through from that boss so I would not miss that five minute response window. Just like I tell the women inside Take Back Your Life, my small group coaching program, every strategy will not be a good fit for every person. You have to know what will work best for you. And if you're not able to turn off your notifications because of specific circumstances, then by all means, leave them on. But if you do have some wiggle room and some freedom to turn them off and set boundaries for digital interruptions, do what you can. Trust me, it will be so worth it. Remember, your smartphone, computer, tablet, and other devices exist for your convenience, not the convenience of everyone who wants to interrupt you throughout the day. So once you've gotten your physical and digital distractions under control, keeping a shiny things list is a great strategy for corralling mental distractions. How many times have you sat down to focus on some important deep work, but all of a sudden tons of things pop into your mind that need to be done? Having a notebook or a notepad by your side when you start your focus time is your distraction catcher or parking lot so you can jot down the shiny thing that you want to chase and get back to work. Remember that you need to add toilet paper to your shopping list. Put it on the shiny things list. Realize that you need to update a report with something you uncovered during your focused work. Put that on the shiny things list. Anything that pops into your head that isn't directly related to your focused work goes on the shiny things list. Then once you reach the end point of your focus time, move the stuff that you captured on your shiny things list to your to-do list, delegate what needs to be delegated or schedule time to tackle it later. The fifth strategy for super focus is using the Pomodoro method. The Pomodoro method uses a timer to break up your focused work into intervals, typically 25 minutes of work with five minutes of taking a break. Using the Pomodoro method is ideal for working your way through complex, deep work spread across a few hours. And then after four rounds of 25 minutes on, five minutes off, aka a Pomodoro, take a longer break. The beauty of the Pomodoro method is that as you set your timer, you know that you have a break coming after 25 minutes. There's a clear end in sight, and you can set many goals for each of your 25 minutes of work. During the five-minute break, you get to rest your eyes, stretch your legs, revisit the bigger picture of your work, and step back into your next 25-minute session feeling energized and ready to rock and roll. All right, so let's recap. Multitasking is a lie. You are not good at it, because no one is. What you think of as multitasking is actually context switching, and your brain loves it because moving on to something new and different gives your brain a hit of that feel-good chemical dopamine so we feel productive and keep doing it, even though we're actually wasting 80% of our productive time with all the switching back and forth. What a waste, right? Once you cut the word multitasking from your vocabulary, stop wearing it as a badge of honor, and call it what it is context switching, you can bring more awareness and recognize when you're in switching mode so you can rein yourself in and bring your focus back to the most important thing. So there you have it. Thinking of your work as deep work and shallow work, setting expectations, clearing your environment, both physical and digital, keeping a shiny things list, and using the Pomodoro method are five awesome strategies that you can use individually or all together for super focused, non-multitasked work sessions. As always, all of the details from today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 44. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I can't wait to talk with you soon.